Good morning. So good to see you. Some that I haven't seen in a long time, and then you all same. Hi, some same old people that I see all the time. <laughs> Hallelujah. And let's pray for those now. As we pray, there are people who are not here that should be here for whatever reason. So, Lord God, we know that you're here. Where two or more are gathered, according to your word, you're in the midst. And we are gathered in the name of Jesus, so we know that you're here. Father, you're hearing every word that we speak. You You know the words before we speak them. Father, you know what's in our hearts, what's on our minds. So Lord, I pray that with your help, that our hearts and minds will be ready to receive what it is that you would have to say to us this morning. But Father, as we're gathered in this attitude of prayer, Father, I lift up those, and so many people come to mind, that are not here, Father, because they're either running away from you, have become indifferent, um, their love has gone cold. Lord, wherever they are, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet them right now. Father, that your conviction would come over them and they would understand that they're not condemned, only convicted. And that you love them. And that you're willing to receive them. And that all can be forgiven. And they would be and are accepted in the beloved. So Lord, we thank you for those souls that you're ministering to right now, even now. Whether in this room whether listening over the internet or just listening to your Holy Spirit. Father, we lift them to you and give you thanks and praise. I give you a special thanks and praise for those who are in this room, Lord, who have made it and who have joined our hearts together. Father, once again, to sit before you and ask that you deliver something to us. Father, not that we would feel all warm and fuzzy, but that we would receive truth. That we would receive truth and spirit, more grace, that we would be empowered to live more like Jesus and less like us. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for everything that you've already done and again for those things that you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you again. We're going to begin right off the bat in John, the Gospel of John beginning in chapter 2. I'll read some, and there'll be some on the board. So, in chapter 2, verse 13, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who had sold oxen and sheep and doves, the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out. He drove drove them all out. I want to make sure I say all, and I'm going to come back to that in a minute. All out of the temple, with the sheep and the oxen, with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the charge changers money and overturned the tables and he said to those who sold doves take these things away do not make my father's house a house of merchandise then his disciples remembered that it is written or it was written zeal for your house has eaten me up my brothers and sisters that zeal for what his apostles or his disciples were remembering what was written about the messiah to come that was written uh, hundreds of years before Jesus set foot on stage on on in, on this earth, my brothers and sisters, I want to point out something to you because I, the tenor and tone of this message, I hope, 
I'm on the right track. Holy Spirit will correct me if I'm not. But the reason why I want to bring your attention to something, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, is because there have been many times that I've um, used this scripture and made reference to. This, by, by, by the way, is the first time early in Jesus' ministry when he first came to Jerusalem and cleaned out the temple. Then he did it again. The last time that he entered in Jerusalem, he cleaned out the temple again. My brothers and sisters, in this case, we know specifically that it says that he formed a whip and he drove all of them out with the sheep and the oxen. Now, it offended people who uh, are much more spiritual than I am that I would think that Jesus did that and he used this whip to get people out. That's what the scripture says. That's what the scripture says. The scripture didn't say, well, then they were so sure to correct me after the service on one occasion that, you know, no, he, he only used that on the animals. He didn't use that. That's not what it says there. Okay? So now watch. I, while I, and I have run into many people who are very offended and, and think that Jesus would never do anything like that. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus is extremely serious about the temple of God. Now, I am not in any way saying that Jesus was a lover of violence over human beings. Not saying that at all. But the fact is, whether he threatened them with it or whether he just he waved it, he used it to get their attention and to get them out of there. Do I think that he whipped people? No. But do I think that he used that as a symbolism? Did he use that? Absolutely he did. My brothers and sisters, in, in, and see what the disciples remembered and you see what is written down, what Holy Spirit provoked John to write down? That it was that was important. It was important that Jesus was showed passion for the house of God, for the temple. It was important. Why? Because it was prophesied hundreds of years that that's what exactly would happen. So he lived it out. Why? Because he knew that that was written about him. No, because it was in him. It was in him. And that's why we and you read this today. So for all of the Pharisees and all of those people who are so much more spiritual than I am. Um, I can't argue with those words. It says it. And I'm not going to apologize for it. Jesus, is, Jesus was the, the Lamb of God, but He's not. He, Jesus was also man, the author and the finisher of my faith. Jesus is the conquering King. Jesus is strength. Jesus is power. All the power belongs to Jesus. All the power belongs to Jesus. So, why would that offend me? It doesn't. It doesn't. He has a zeal. And let me tell you something else. You are now the temple of God. So that same zeal that he had and he was showing there, he has for you. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. That, should, that makes me happy that Jesus has that kind of zeal, that kind of passion for you and for me. I'm not going to apologize for that. Now, so now let's read verse 18 together. So the Because it offended some people. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? What things? Clean out his father's temple. Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now remember context. What sign, what are you going to show us that says that you have the authority to do this? Right? So now he's saying, Okay, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. 
but he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had raised, he was, had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said what he had said to them, and they believed that the scripture, that the word which Jesus had said. My brothers and sisters, th- again, this is Jesus fulfilling prophecy, and Jesus is saying something to them very, very succinctly and specifically. They don't get it. They should get it. You know why they should get it? Because these are the laws and the, ru- and the prophets that these guys are supposed to be the ones that know all about. These are the religious leaders. These are the ones that know the, the Old Testament. These are the ones that know the law and the prophets. And Jesus is telling them, ex- he's fulfilling the prophecy, but yet they don't recognize it. Hallelujah. So now, let's jump a little bit to Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees, these same groups, came and testing him, testing Jesus, asked that, that he would show them a sign from heaven. So here they are. What shot is what again? Remember where we were in John. What sign are you going to show us that you have this authority? Now they're testing him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, "When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. You hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign." And no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left and departed. What is the sign of the prophet Jonah? He was buried in the belly of a whale for three days and then he came out. He's saying no sign is going to be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. Meaning, I'm going to be put in the grave for three days and then I'm going to come out. Now listen, I know for some of you, again, are much more spiritual than I am or who uh, have studied this Bible and you're a Bible scholar uh, and you may be here but you may be listening. Well, this is very basic and rudimentary. Uh, Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because it still all boils down to that. Who is Jesus? What did he do? Amen? Amen? How did he do it? What do you believe? Why do you believe it? Hallelujah. So I want to pour, I want to just highlight, I think I have it highlighted, yes I do. <clears throat> you cannot discern the signs of the times. He's critical of them for being, again, these spiritual leaders, but they, they can discern the sign of, the, of, of the, the weather. They can look at certain things in the physical life and they can discern what's going to happen. But look at you, you're, you're seeing these things and you can't even discern the sign of the times, God's timeline, what's happening on God's timeline. So now let me take a step back. Let's look at us, those of us who are in the church, those of us who know what the Word of God says. It is very, very, very evident. You don't even have to be a spiritual giant to know that we are in a specific place on God's timeline. They say, well, Tony, I mean, they've been saying it since the, the days of the apostles, the early, the first church, that he can come back at any time. That's true. We were in the last days from that time until now. But now we are in the very last days. Now we see the signs of the times. We know. They didn't have, there was no, there were the technology that exists today that allows, that will allow one person or one entity to control the whole world at simultaneously. Didn't exist back then. Guess what? It exists today. Come on. So, my brothers and sisters, I, I'm, I'm looking at a church, I'm looking at a group of people in my congregation, I'm, I'm hopefully a bunch listening, and now I look out at other congregations and I'm thinking, okay, how can we sit in churches, be born again, followers of God in Christ Jesus, and not discern the signs of the times? And if we know the signs of the times, if, we're, if we know they're recognizable, then how should we be living? Oh boy. 
Oh, boy. Come on. You see? And so now, I'm going to say this, and I, young people, and most of the young people in this room, and, and I'm, I'm talking about under the age of, I'm talking about college age or less, how about that? So I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to get in trouble because there's a lot of people in this room that are old, and I mean older than me. That's old. <laughs> See, I, I'm going to preach on this side just a little bit. No, and I'm just having a little bit of fun, but here the thing, most of the young people in this room are related to me. And I'm thankful I'm very thankful, but at the same time, it's, it's difficult. So I, I want you young people, um, all of you, please pay attention. You know, you may not understand, and I don't mean that as, it, uh, it, as a uh, slam to your degree of intellect. It may be that you're in a position in your life where you don't understand why this old guy with a bunch of gray hair can say these things. Surely he's at the end of his life and he's wanting to get into heaven and all this other stuff. No. Listen, we are still witnessing people being dug out of a ground in Miami that didn't, went to bed or whatever it is that they were doing of all different ages that thought they would get up in the morning and go to work and do all the things. We don't know. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to say this is reality. So, but for those who are related to me, can I please beg you, Don't look at me as pop-pop, dad, uh, and if you're listening, uncle. Don't, please. Pop-pop said a lot of things. Grandpa, dad has said a lot of things in his life, both things from the natural and things in the supernatural. So I want you to hear me while I'm in this pulpit and understand that this is the Spirit of God. And I want you to take it so seriously that you understand that this isn't just pop-up. And I love my grandchildren and my children dearly. And there's not anything in this world that I wouldn't do for them. But I definitely wouldn't give up Jesus for them. And, And I want them saved. I want them heaven bound. I want everybody in this room and everybody listening heaven bound. So I'm begging you, listen to the Spirit of God today, please. Hallelujah. We are in a very specific and peculiar time. God could come back at any moment. If He came back during this week, if Jesus split the sky, would you have went? Or would you have been left behind? Don't answer. Don't answer. Aloud. In your heart. Think. Where were you this week? Where are you now? Are you listening? With your heart? The signs of the times are so revealing right now. So we're going to jump again a little bit ahead of where we were in John chapter 2 to John chapter 5. Guys, you'll remember this story. Most of you have been in the Word. And you'll remember the story of that man that sat by the pool of Bethsaida. Bethesda, right? Bethesda, excuse me. He sat by the pool of Bethesda. And the whole, the, the imagery there is, or the story there was, that an angel came down, disturbed the water. Whoever could get into the water first would receive a healing. 
So Jesus goes up to this man and says, do you want to be made well? I mean, that's an obvious, obvious question, isn't it? He's sitting by the pool. He wants to be made well. He's got this infirmity. He's on this mat or this bed or whatever it was that he was on. And Jesus says, do you want to be made well? Yes, but I can't because, you know, every time the water gets disturbed, I don't have anybody to throw me in. Uh, I can't get in. Someone always gets in there before I do. And Jesus heals the man instantaneously and on the spot. The man picks up his bed and walks. Now the religious people, the people that are supposed to know the word, the people that are supposed to know God, the prophets, the law and the prophets, and the ones who are looking for the Messiah, they get upset with the guy because he's carrying his mat or his bed and it's the Sabbath. And so then, you know, what's going on? So the man gives them the story, doesn't know Jesus by name, but knows that this man... This rap, he healed me. Now they're mad and upset with Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. So, so, so let's, let's get... Let, let. So, if the pool was disturbed and you jump in and you're saved, that's, I mean, you're healed, that's okay. You're delivered. You're, you're, it's okay. But to pick up the mat or to actually heal, it's not okay according to them. And again... These are the religious people. These are the people that um, are spiritual. These are the leaders. Verse 18 of chapter 5 says this, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Now, that might be confusing for some people because, you know, it's the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three are one. Simultaneously one. Simultaneously God. Okay? And I know that that... But, you know, think of it this way as well. The, the, The Word had to become flesh and defeat the enemy as a man. But at the same time, he has to under, you, we have to understand that there's still, this, there's, there's still more than just that man that was in the body. Why? Because then we would start, we, then we'd get used to worshiping men. Wouldn't we? As human beings, wouldn't we look for the next powerful human being and then start worshiping him? Yes, they are. Because that's, that's our nature. So that's why, I mean, I, I have no problem with the Trinity whatsoever, but some things like this seem to trip other people up and they try to use this against me when I say, no, all three are one, simultaneously God, simultaneously three different um, reflections, three, different, three distinct personalities, persons. Verse, verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these. Remember that. He will show him greater works than these that you might marvel. See that? That you may marvel. That you may marvel. Greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the Son. So, Jesus, your pal, your buddy, your friend, right? Okay. If you don't follow Him, when you stand before Him, He's the one that's going to say, depart from me to outer darkness. I never knew you. Yeah. 
Yeah, the same Jesus that is your the same Jesus that is your pal, your buddy, your friend, your same Jesus that loves you so much, and He showed you how much He loved it by He how much He loved you by how He served God the Father on earth, how He served the invisible God on earth, and how He gave up His life for you and for me. He showed it. Amen. Where we were last week, remember? He doesn't love you; He loves you. There is a passion. And he's passionate about you. And he showed it. But that same Jesus, and that's why it's so important. I want to go back. Just, just hear me. The Father loves the Son. He shows all, him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these. I want you to remember something. I, I'm not going to go to all the scriptures. We'll be here all morning. Listen, there are many scripture references that tell us that we need to be in Christ. And, right? And when we're born again and we're following him, we're in Christ. Now remember, Christ, uh, Jesus uh, prayed in John chapter 17, and we said, we're all one. Father, I and you, me, you, them and me, and, right? We're all one. So, so now when, when he's saying this about the Son, in Christ we have these things. Remember where we were back a few weeks ago, and we were talking about the inheritance and who we are in Christ, and, and the benefits that we have, the blessings that we have in Christ. Amen? Okay, so now remember that, and now in, 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 along with this, he will show him greater works than these. Why? The Father loves the Son. The Son does what the Father shows him. Right? The Father's being revealed to us in the Son. We, we do what Jesus, right, shows us. And now, remember what it said in Mark, and we were there not too long ago, where it says, don't, you know, greater works than these, he's talking to us. He's talking to his disciples. He says, these you'll do, and greater works than these you will do. Right? Right? Remember what he said. He said, in, in Mark, he said, um, um, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, right? They will cast out demons, speak with Right? And, and it, see, it's amazing to me, my brothers and sisters, that in this current church age when these things should be the most real and relevant to us, those who are serious about God, especially being persecuted now where the persecution is starting to get serious and it's starting to be noticeable, you know, we should be going crazy for things like this. But we're not. It's amazing to me. Well, the thing is, we're not because we have other things, because we're looking for the, the, the outward signs, the natural signs. We're, we're looking for the next and best, latest technology. We're looking at, at this thing and that thing and you know, where we're going and where we're heading and, you know, in the natural world and, and stuff like this. In 1 Corinthians, it says this. 1, 22. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This scripture, we've studied together many times. You've studied it on your own. You know this scripture. My brothers and sisters, look, the Jews seek a sign. But there's this other race or this other group of people that seek wisdom. See, then, that, back then, and to give us a little bit of, you know, they had the philosophers and the, the highly educated people, the Greek philosophers and all this, and they had all of what they believed and what they said, so on and so forth, regarding life and, 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 and all this knowledge and all And so, something like one man dying on a cross for the sins of the world is foolishness, right? 
And, and still, there are many people who believe that, that, or they'll say they believe that Jesus died for our sins, but if they really did believe it, they really understood it, they would love Jesus. Well, I love Jesus. Well, this is what Jesus says. If you love me, you'll do what I ask you to do. Okay, not all of us are doing it. And, and that's not, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm just saying, though, you can't have it all ways, right? If Jesus is God, if you believe that Jesus is who he said he is, if you believe that, then follow him. Then follow him. If he's not, then do what you do. Right? Uh, don't, don't play. It's too late to play. I, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm. We're, in, we're in such a, a situation. There's such an urgency that I feel in my spirit. And I'm so broken hearted about what's going on in, in, with people that I know let alone the people that I don't. It's so unfortunate when I think about the people that used to come here and, the, and they, you know, if they're going to another church, great, but no, they're not. And, and, and the young people that I've baptized and now that they're young adults and have kids of their own, they're lost. It breaks my heart. And so I'm seeing these scriptures and I'm thinking, okay, we... As a group of believers, I'm talking about now the true believers, what are we doing? We need to be doing something about it. I need to do better. We need to do better. What can we do? Well, we can trust and believe these scriptures in our homes, in our churches. You know what kills me? On a Wednesday night, there's hardly anybody here. There's a group of us that will have a Bible study and will pray, but why? Well, it's inconvenient. I mean, I've got to work. I've got the kids got to go to school and blah, blah, blah. You know, how convenient do you think it was for him to hang on a cross? No, I'm not trying to be a jerk about this. How, how convenient was it to be locked in a prison for preaching the gospel? You didn't do anything wrong. You got Paul and Silas in prison. They're in lockdown. They're in the deepest, darkest recesses of that place. And they're in shackles. They're, and they're singing praises and worshiping God. How inconvenient would that have been? How inconvenient would it Come on, man. So, so, so what am I saying? Tell you, you're saying that we need to all go to prison for God? No, let's just live for Him. Let's just live for Him. Let's just show the example. And then let's be serious about these things because, look at there are some people that are legitimately looking for a sign. But I'm not concerned with those people that are on the outside looking for a sign. I'm not. See, when it says that the Jews request a sign, the Jews require a sign, th- this is not meant as something that's a positive this is meant as a negative. Why? They're supposed to already know. They've got the written word and they had, listen, they've got the living word, they, ha- they had the living word in front of them and they rejected them and now they have disciples and apostles who are willing to die for the one that they know. Let's look at in, in Corinthians. In Corinthians, they, they know the Apostle Paul is going to lay, lay on them a little, a, little, a little later. He's going to say to them, man, there are at least 500 people that saw him at once at the same time after he came out of that tomb. Amen. See, so the cross is it, it, hugely important. But the resurrection is hugely important. So now you have this Jesus who everyone in this world has to account for. They have to. They have to account for him. This Jesus, that all they would have to do is prove once that that body stayed in the grave. But they couldn't, even after all of these years. And so, in fact, you have the opposite. You have scripture that says that where many saw him. And Paul says, there are people that still live among us that saw him with their own eyes. 
come out of, after he came out of that grave, right? Come on. So what more signs would they need? And so now the Jews seek a sign. And the Greeks seek after knowledge. So there's categories of people. There are some people that are not going to believe unless God shows them a sign. They're waiting for a sign. They're waiting for something. There are some people that there's no way that that can work. Why? Because I'm, I'm too smart. And now I'm saying this semi-sarcastically. But please believe me and hear my heart. I'm not a highly educated man, and I don't claim to be, uh, have a high IQ, but I'm going to tell you that beyond any... Sh- I'm not an idiot either. I am not an idiot either. And I'm going to tell you that it doesn't hurt my feelings that someone might think that I am less than intellectually uh, adept because I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that that body came out of that tomb on the third day that I will have victory over everything. Death cannot have the final say-so over me. Neither can the hardships of this life. That's important. Oh yeah, there's no question when the breath leaves my body I'm going to heaven. But I still have to endure here. And when I'm enduring here, it's the belief it's the belief in His life, His death, His resurrection that sustains me even through the tough times. Anybody going through any tough times? Oh, I just can't wait to get to heaven. I, I can't either. But the fact of the matter is, I have Him here with me now. But the Jews seek a sign. Are you seeking a sign? Or does it have to make sense logically? Are you Mr. Spock? <laughs> Live long and prosper. It, it, it doesn't make sense. So I can't trust it or believe it. I have to be able to figure it out. You, you can't figure it out. If you could figure it out, then he's too small. You've heard me say that probably repeatedly over the last few weeks. Stop trying to figure it all out. Just know that you know that Jesus loves you. He died for you. He died so that, listen, that your sins would be forgiven and you can sin no more. Because we got that part. We can go to the cross and get forgiveness and then walk away. Ah, everything's good. I'm I'm clean. I'm fresh. And then go back to the same stinky place that we started. That's not why he died. He died so that you can get clean and you can stay clean. Hallelujah. So that you can live on the path that he's already provided for you. Okay. Um, Hallelujah. Seeking a sign. But it's amazing to me. We look at all of the things that are going on in this world. We, we can praise and, and laud over the things that, oh, this technology and all of these great things and, you know, Tesla this and, you know, uh, you know Elon Musk this and, and we, uh, you know, Bill Gates that and, you know, Amazon this and ba 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 b b b ha ha ha. It's all going to burn. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. But we just get so hepped up, you know, oh, wow, this is so awesome. And, you know, yeah, it is. Oh, great. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for some of these technology, uh, these advancements in technology that has helped us. Helped us to help other people. Help us to feed people around the world. Helped us, listen, help us medically. Helped. I'm, I'm not in any way saying, oh, all of that is tools of the devil, and if you do, you're going to hell. No, I'm not saying that. But my brothers and sisters, God has to be preeminent in your life. Jesus has to be first. 
But if the church is not living like that, and, and we're looking for these other things to satisfy, we're looking for these other things to fill, these other things to be fulfilled. Come on. All right, I'm going to go. I, I, I'm going on. So you have that. You have, you know, we're looking for this, this, these signs, and we're looking for this special wisdom and this special knowledge. And by the way, when, when, you have, when you're a human being that's looking for this special wisdom or the special knowledge, that gives birth to all of these false doctrines. Now all of a sudden, and it happened back then. They, they had to fight the fight back then. Gnosticism sprung up early in the church, didn't it? Well, that, you know, there's this specific and this hidden knowledge that you, that's how you get close to God when you get these, this, no, how you get close to God is accept Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? That's how you get close to God. And you walk like He will. No, but see, that's what happens when you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go ahead now and, you know, and I've seen it. I've seen it. I, I, I've, you know what, I, I alluded earlier uh, to about some people that maybe thought they were just a little bit too spiritual for us. That's all well and good. I wonder where they are now. I hope they're fine and doing well. But my brothers and sisters, listen, spiritual, you, you, I had people leave this church because they, I didn't openly rebuke people. And I want to say to them, you don't know what I said behind the scenes just because I didn't do it. Now, is, does the Bible call for open rebuke? Yes, it does. In certain cases... But does that mean that I've got to call everybody out every time and do it in front of the church? No. There's such a thing as being led by Holy Spirit. There are some people that left this church that I don't even know why. And, I'm, and, and, and I do know why, because they're hearing lies out there and they think that that lie is a truth about me or about my family or somebody. And so now watch. When you are not looking... My brothers and sisters, you're just worshiping God and you're, and you're experiencing the love of God. You're not looking for this extra knowledge, these extra things that you can hang your hat on, that you, you're going to move on. I've, got too, I've had too many people in and out of here that thought they were way too spiritually advanced. Okay, then if you are that spiritually advanced, then how come you're not helping? How come Michelle and me and a, a, a small group of people through the years have been the only ones that did anything? And as a matter of fact, a very small group. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, my brothers and sisters, listen, there, this scripture is, is specific. It's specific to us. It's specific in this room. It's specific to anybody who's hearing it right now. If, you, if Jesus is God, then serve him. Look at the signs of the times and get busy about what Jesus would have you to do. My brothers and sisters, if you're way too if if you're way too smart, I'm talking now to people in the church. So I'm not saying you know uh, calculus. There's not a calculus problem that you can't solve. I'm not talking about that kind of intelligence. I'm talking about your spiritual IQ. If you think that your spiritual IQ is much too high for the people that are around you, then why don't you teach them? Now I'm going to get up and leave. Okay, get up and leave. Then you're going to go to another place until you feel like that your spiritual IQ is met. When you're spiritual, but you're never going to find that place. You're never going to find it. You're going to be happy for a little while, then you're going to find another reason that your spiritual IQ just isn't met and you're going to go someplace else. Or, you know, I'm going to, let's go back the opposite. I'm looking for this place that when I get into that room, all my, the hair on the back of my neck goes up. Man, the song service, the lights, man, it's just, oh my God, you feel the spirit when you're there. Or, man, there's healing. We've had healings in this place. 
We've had healings that were directly in the room. We've had healings take place from afar when people have requested for us to pray for them. This, see, here, here's the thing, my brothers and sisters. If you think that you have to come to this place or that this place only or there are only certain places that you go or only certain ministers that you go to, you're missing it because they're not doing it. God is. Amen. Amen. And God is just as much present in this place as He is over there. And I'm not going to mention names because I'm going to get you all turned off right away. No. Are you with me? But no. See, I'm not going to go and meet with this group of people because there are these signs and wonders that are not being performed. Are the signs and wonders important? Absolutely they're important. I went over that just a moment ago. They're absolutely important. And the reason why they're not happening is because we don't have the spiritual people sticking around long enough to help and to teach and to pray. But I want want to go someplace, Pastor, where I'm getting filled. Why, you little selfish. I want to go someplace where... Really? Because I thought that it was about loving someone else more than you love yourself. Isn't that right? Maybe I got that wrong. See, that's why, see, that's why I just probably these spiritual giants have to leave here because maybe I got that wrong and say so they got to go someplace else where it's the opposite. Just a little sarcasm. <laughs> I'm not going to give Holy Spirit credit for that one. That was Tony. So there was, in John 3... One and three. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can, look, look at this, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, in your King James, I think it says verily, verily, but whatever, it means absolutely, this is a truth, There ain't no other way to do it. There's no other way to know it. This is the absolute truth. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, stop. First of all, where did that come from? So you have this Pharisee. And in fact, if we read later in the chapter, when Jesus starts to teach Nicodemus about what being born again means, Jesus says, you are the teacher of Israel, and you don't know this? Come on. But now, so think about that. You have this teacher, this, this venerated teacher uh, who's part of the council, this man who is a Pharisee. He's a ruler of the Jewish people. He's a ruler in the church. And so he comes in by night, and I love what he says. First of all, he humbles himself. He's showing Jesus, and this isn't sarcasm. He's truly going to Jesus and referring to him as rabbi, teacher. And notice what he says. Notice the problem. We. We. So he's representing a group of Pharisees. We know that you are a teacher come from God. Look what he says. For no one can do these signs. He's seeing the same signs that the other Pharisees are seeing. Some of those others who keep challenging Jesus, those ones who are upset, those ones who are offended, this Nicodemus is seeing the same signs. But now Nicodemus and some other people are seeing these signs and they're saying, "Uh uh-uh, something is different here. They're not offended by it. Come on. They're not offended by it. They're saying, "Uh uh-oh. They're recognizing the signs. 
They're recognizing the sign. And now this man humbles himself, a teacher of Israel, humbles himself and goes to Jesus and says, Teacher, there is no, we know that no one can be doing these things unless God is with them. You've come, I like the way he says, you've come from God. Not that you've been sent by God, but you've come from God. You were with God in the beginning. <laughs> come on. Come on, stay awake, stay awake. This, this is the good part, believe it or not. This is the good part. So now look, so he humbles himself and he says, no, he sees the signs that, that the same signs that everybody else is seeing and a group of them and they're saying something's up. Amen? But look at what Jesus says. Most assuredly, I say to you. He didn't ask him about the kingdom. He didn't open his mouth about the kingdom. Right? But Jesus is saying, what you're seeing is a glimpse. And you need to be born again. If you're not born again, that's all this is going to be, is a glimpse. You'll see it like the rest of them. You'll see it like the rest of them. You'll be turned off by it. See, and why were they turned off by it? Didn't go through the proper channels. Jesus wasn't the, the guy that, they, that, 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 that looked the part. He was from Galilee. Even one of his early disciples, one of his ones who, who he's called, can any, any good come out of... Come on, come, are you with me? He didn't look like he was supposed to look. He didn't go through the process. He didn't meet their approval. He didn't, you know, maybe go to their school. He didn't, you know, train like they wanted him trained. Of course, this can't be the Christ. This can't be the Messiah. Of course, no, and this guy's healing on the Sabbath. (laughs) Jesus taught them what even that meant. Right? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Remember, Jesus even schooled them in that. Jesus schooled them in what the word that they were supposed to know. They knew it here, but they didn't have it in their heart. They didn't understand what, was, what really God was trying to affect hearts, not just minds. Remember, remember that. Remember that. So now, I'm going to fast forward. This is Jesus on the cross. Remember, Jesus is hanging on that cross. And when he's hanging on the cross, he said some things. Right, didn't he? And then just before he, he died, he said, it is accomplished. And he groaned, and he let out a groan, right? So in Mark... Chapter 15, beginning in verse 37. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite Jesus saw that, he cried out. Listen, now watch. It's not the sign of the curtain. When he saw that he, Jesus, cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. Truly this man was who he said he was. So now he's seeing something and he, he believes. What did he see? Did he see Jesus get himself down off the cross and defeat his enemies? No. My brothers and sisters, when I see this and I see, and I'm thinking Jesus said a lot of things. Remember when he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing? I wonder if this centurion heard that. Come on now. I wonder if he heard it. Yo, come on. Uh, son, when he told John, uh, Son, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. When he's caring more about who's taking care of his mother because he knows he's about to die. Okay, did he hear it? Is, is this all the stuff? When he cried out, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And people are mocking him. And, and, he, and my brothers and sisters, he saw all of this. And now he did not see Jesus come off that cross. He sees the love that was poured out on that cross. And he said, truly, this is the Son of God. My brothers and sisters, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? What are you waiting to see? Can you hear, my, can, can you hear the heart of the Lord this morning? Can you hear the heartbeat of Jesus this morning who loves you with a love that will never fail? But what are we waiting for? My brothers and sisters, if we came in here and, and there were tongues and interpretations and blah, 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 would that make the difference for some of those people who have been in and out of here? You know what I'm afraid to say? Yes, probably would. And that's wrong. Why is it wrong? Because the tongues are a sign for the unbelievers. Not for the believers. Scripturally, I've got the scripture right here. I'm going to spare you. I've got the scripture right here. Man, signs are important. Signs are important. Jesus, God himself, performs these signs by Holy Spirit through us, sometimes without us, so that people can see that there is this other, this whole other power, this unseen realm that God totally and absolutely, positively has ultimate power and control of. Period. End of conversation. So now, my brothers and sisters, what are you thirsty for? And let me, ask, let me tell you why I'm, I'm, I'm asking you that question. In John seven thirty seven. just listen. On that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, the scripture, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. My brothers and sisters, there's a problem. We have a Holy Spirit deficit in the church. We have a whole, and the reason why we have a Holy Spirit deficit in the church is because we have this, uh, this knowledge of the word deficit in the church. The, church, the people in churches all over this land, all I'm afraid to tell you that they're so deplete in knowledge of what the Word of God says that they, it's, it's hard for the Holy Spirit to be multiplied in them. Right? My words are spirit and they are life. Right? Isn't that what he said? So in order to understand and have spirit... See, some people continue to be... You know, it's the warm and fuzzy. It's this great thing. It's this... No, it's not that. It's you have to devour the Word you see. And the Spirit that's been dealt to you when you became born again, that Spirit is going to help you to understand the Word. It's going to help you to know what the Word says. It's going to help that Word, that power that works in you. My brothers and sisters, to lead, guide, and direct you, to teach you. But we have that deficit because we're not even cracking the book. Or we're depending on somebody like me to tell you what it says. But look at what he... I'm, he, if anyone thirsts... I'm going to tell you in this room today, everyone thirsts. Let me ask you something. Anybody do any yard work yesterday? We got a handful. I know I did. Man, did you pound any water down yesterday? Could you get enough? Man, I pounded the waters down yesterday. My guys that worked during the week with me, man, they're pounding, and I'm just driving around handing out water and Gatorades and all that. Why? Because you just have this in you. It's, it's, it's insatiable. It's, you can't help it. You just got to have it. 
You feel like, man, if I don't get some pretty soon, I'm going to fall out or I'm going to die. Right? You can't. So you've got to get it. So that's, that's this picture. So what are we thirsty for? What are you thirsty for? What are you listening to? What's driving you? What are you paying attention to? What are you giving your mind to? What, what, what are you? Watch. Jesus. Remember when he was at the well? And he, that woman at the well, he said, listen, if you knew who it was, you'd ask him and he'd give you living water. This water that would never, you would never want to thirst again. You would never be thirsty again. Remember that? That woman at the well? Remember in Matthew chapter 5, the, the uh, Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? What are you hungry or what are you thirsty for? What's driving you? He's telling me that I should be thirsty for righteousness. Right standing with God. Amen? Am I thirsty for that? Am I doing things that would help me in that regard? Or... Am I so plugged into this latest political group, um, this uh, action plan uh, to help uh, this group of people, that group of people? Am I so uh, enamored with the fact that you know um, you could be uh, gay and and be a leader in a church? Uh, or you know, am, I, am I or on both sides of that? You know, listen to what I'm saying. Negative and positive. Does that have so much of your attention negatively that that's, that's, that's where your focus is? And it's causing you to be upset or mad? Not to focus in on the love of Christ? Are you taking it out on all the folks who um, now become, who, who are out of the closet and openly and proud about it? Or, or you know, is it, it, what is it? What is it that's got your focus? What's driving you? What are you thirsty for? What can you not get enough of? It should be Jesus. It should be Jesus. Did I get off subject? Did I... Right? I'm going to read this last bit. I just... In Revelation, Jesus says this in 22.12, Behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers and idolaters, whoever loves and practices a lie. My brothers and sisters, I need, to, I need to push on this just a little bit. Because remember, remember, what I, the Jews seek a sign. But they're a group of people, right, that have to, they're longing for knowledge. It has to, there's knowledge. There's this, right now, our children, us, we are all being told certain things and they're rewriting history, they're changing things. They're changing things and they're flirting with lines, but it's all a lie. So now when you're 
having those lies influence you, that's pretty specific what it said right here. I didn't say that. If you look in your Bible, it will say that. And you could please begin in verse 14, and, and that's verse 14 and 15 of chapter 2 of Revelation. Outsider dogs and saucers, sexually immoral, murderers and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Right now, they are getting our children and our children's children to love and practice lies. Now, I said children and children's children. There are some, some of us are old enough in here to have children 20 years old. Some of us are old enough in here to have children 30, 40, 50. Some of us have chil- are only old enough to have children who are teenagers. But I'm telling you, my brothers, my sisters, my young brothers, my young sisters, please, if you don't hear anything this morning, hear this. Do not believe the lies. Read what God says about you and to you and for you. Come to church. Get involved with people who love God and could help you. Listen, when they're screaming it out there and when you feel all alone in your classroom because you're the only one that's conservative or if you're the only one that believes that Jesus is really who He said He was. And some of these other lies that even people who say that they're Christians. Now let me, let me ask you all something. My young people, do you have any friends that say they're Christians but you know that they go against what this says? Just raise your hand. I'm not asking you for names. Anybody? <laughs> Bunch of hands. Okay. Don't, listen, listen. We don't condemn them. We pray for them. We don't condemn them. We pray for them. And when, if the Lord leads you, you could show them the scripture. Say, hey, look, what, what do you think of this? Let the Lord lead you. But, my, but don't expect them to love you. They didn't love him. My brothers and sisters, listen. You might be the sign that somebody needs to see. You might be that sign. You might have that word of knowledge only if it comes out of here. Not what you think, not how you feel. I don't care about how you feel or what you think in that regard. What matters is what he says, what he feels, what he thinks, right? So now you might be able to pass that knowledge on to somebody because you have it down in your heart and in your soul. Holy Spirit has ministered it to you. And so now Holy Spirit gives you the unction, brings to your memory some of the scriptures that you've studied. And then and it's just perfect for that. So now you become the knowledge that that person needs. Come on. You're the sign. You're the knowledge. Hallelujah. Are you hungry enough? Are you thirsty enough? Don't let them, don't participate and practice the lie. Amen? Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. So watch, the book of Revelation. This is the end of the book of Revelation. And he's telling, Jesus is telling John, I've sent that angel that was your God, I sent that angel to you that you could say all of these things in the churches. That book is written to the churches. Are are you with me? I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And the Spirit and the bride say, the Spirit and the bride say, the Spirit and the real church say, come. And let whom who hears, come. And let whom thirsts, come. (laughs) Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Freely. 
Hallelujah. That's a great place to end, isn't it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now, stand with me as the prayer team comes forward. I just want to ask you if, if, you've, if you've dabbled with it, you're not really, you know. Let's just say it this way. I'm going to just. You know that you know better. And you know that you haven't been doing those things specifically that God has called you to do. In fact, there have been occasion for presumptuous sin. Please, please, don't be proud. Be humble. Are you thirsty? Drink. Come. Come. Drink freely. When this music is playing, you sing to the Lord. Let Him bless your soul. Drink freely. Amen? Drink freely. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, why not? He's the only one who died for you. He's the only one that was willing to be tortured beyond recognition and willingly get on a cross and forgive all of those people who tortured him for you. And if you think that I made Jesus my Lord but you're living this double life, it's worse for you. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It's worse for you because you know. Stop playing. Stop playing games. Get on one side of the fence or the other because when you're on that fence, when you're riding that fence, you're lukewarm, Laodicea. You're going to be spewed out anyway. If Jesus is God, serve Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, that was... There was bad news, but they're right in the middle of that. There's this good news. That even if you're weak, even in your weakness, He gives you strength. Even in your weakness, you are strengthened by the power of Holy Spirit through His Word. My brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter how much you've messed up. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter that you've gone to the altar 16 times. None of that matters. Right here, right now, what are you thirsty for? Right here, right now, Who is it that you want to serve right here, right now? If you're thirsty, come. Drink. Amen. Amen. So as the song is playing, if that's you and you just need prayer for something, come on up here. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Let's pray for each other. Amen. If you're going to sit there and sing or stand there and sing, please sing with your whole heart to Jesus. Amen. Amen.